thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We've been in a series for a couple weeks on happiness, and we've been talking about the clarity of happiness. I want to remind you, if you brought your phones this morning, go ahead and get that device out and check in on our Exchange Church Facebook page. You can go ahead and hashtag it. Uh, hashtag give mills, and um, that's going to help us be able to do some some work with uh, partnering with a group that is is going to be able to help us do missions. So that's always exciting. Um, always use your social media to to help us get the word out about our church and about what God's doing in our lives. And and uh, but we're going to talk this morning about the clarity of happiness. Everybody say happy, happy, happy. Come on, say happy, happy, happy. Everybody wants to be happy. We're all in a journey for happiness. I can tell you that over the years, I've been a, I've been a pastor for a long time now, and I have had a front row seat too many times watching people undermine their own happiness. You guys know what I'm talking about where um, you're like looking at somebody's life. You can even do this on social media. You can, you can watch what somebody, a friend of your posts, and you're like, why are they doing this? This is only going to undermine their happiness. It's like watching a, a, a slow motion car accident. You know, you want to do something. You want to shout out to them. I mean, have you ever had a friend that you just thought, they just don't know how to raise kids. They don't know how to be a good parent. Why are you parenting that way? You just want to shake them and say, stop doing that. It's only going to cause trouble in about five years. And, and you don't because we don't, you know, we don't want to get into everybody's business and be a know-it-all and tell people how to raise their kids. But you see it happening. You see them undermining their own, uh, you know, happiness and then of course, down, you know, five miles or five years down the road, what happens? They're having problems with little Johnny. You could see it coming, and they're going, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why, but we see this. I've seen it for years and years. I've seen it um, in being being a, a dad, you know. I've seen it in uh, being a pastor, being a leader. I know that, that, that leaders in my life have seen this in me. They've seen me going, oh, Kevin, why are you making that choice? Why are you making those decisions? It's only going to undermine your own happiness. It, it's tragic to watch people undermine their own happiness. Um, and, and what I mean by that, too, is, is this. It's unavoidable that we're going to have pain in this life, right? I mean, that's one of the promises that, that Jesus gave us. It's in John 16, He says, in this life, guys, you are going to have trouble, and that's not something that you and I, we write down as the promises of God to remind ourselves, because we don't need to be reminded of that one. We all know that, right? 
We all look every day in the face of life and adversity, and we know we're going to have trouble. So the, the question is, why in the world would you create more trouble? For yourself, if you know you have to go through some stuff, you know, why would you knowingly make choices and do things that's going to cause you even more trouble? And the answer to that is we shouldn't. We shouldn't do that. And that's kind of the goal of this series. Um, I'm going to be, this is the fourth part of this series. And if you've missed any of it, go back on our Facebook. You can, you can watch. It's live online right now, but it'll be archived on our Facebook page. You can go and, and check those other ones out. You can get on our our podcast and and check it out. But what we've been talking about is, you know, ultimately we are moving towards happiness. And this is part of God's plan for our life is to find happiness. But we are constantly undermining our own happiness. And what I've discovered and what I've observed is, and what we're going to talk about today, oftentimes the reason that we are doing this, the reason that we're undermining our own happiness is the confusion between two words, and I'll put them up on the screen for you. It's pleasure and happiness. Pleasure and happiness. You know, this is what I, I want to I talk about today is these two words, the relationship, and we're going to find out there is a relationship between these two words, and there's also some confusion between these two words of pleasure and happiness. And before we get to that, I want to talk about a couple of things because, you know, I, I, was, I was growing up and I would hear in church about, about Jesus and he would, he would be teaching and he would say these powerful, powerful words. And there was one day that John tells us that he was there and he recorded this powerful, powerful thing that Jesus was saying. He was, he was teaching and preaching to a certain group of people. And I don't know if they just weren't following him very well, but in the middle of his teaching, in the middle of his point, he, he kind of changes and he gives them a word picture right in the middle of what he's saying to grab their attention. And I'll put this up on the screen for you. It's in John chapter 10, verse 10. John tells us that Jesus looked at them and says, the thief, everybody say thief. Everybody say thief. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so if you're tracking along here with what Jesus is saying, in context, Jesus is referring to a thief. Everybody say a thief. And we don't like thieves. We don't like things to be stolen from us or taken from us. And, and, and Jesus is talking about any certain thing or a certain person that comes into your life. And as a result of that thing or that person being in your life, they steal something or they kill something. They destroy something. That is a thief. It can be something specific. It could be something in general. But when you think about your life, we're talking about any anyone or anything this morning, if you can just think in your mind that when that comes into your life, when you have an intersection with this person or this thing, what happens is it kills something, something's stolen from you, something's destroyed, and that is the thief. Everybody say thief. Okay, we're talking about the thief this morning. Now, here's the tricky part. And here's a part that you're probably not going to like this morning. This is going to be a little bit of a downer, okay? I know we're talking about happiness. This might bring you down a little bit. But, but track with me. Let me ask you a question. Who in your life right now, think about this, who in your life right now has the greatest capacity or the most potential to steal from you 
or kill one of your relationships or destroy your life. I want you to think about that right now. Who in your life has the most potential to take something from you that you want, especially as it relates to your future, to destroy your life as you know it or kill your relationship? And listen, the answer for all of us right now is the person that you look in the mirror every morning. It's yourself. That is the person that has the most potential to steal from you, to to destroy things, to kill things in your life. In some capacity this morning, I want you to know that it's you, that you're the thief. Okay, you, and, and somehow, some way, in fact, in our modern vernacular, I'll put this up on the screen for you. This is what we say I am my own worst enemy. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever said that before? You've probably not even said that about yourself. You've probably said it about somebody else. Like, oh my God, do you look at what she's doing? She's her own worst enemy. She just continually is sabotaging where she's going, or he is his own worst enemy. Well, the truth is, it's, it's, it's for us all. So here is the bad news. You are your own worst enemy. You have done more to undermine your own happiness than anybody else, right? It would be easy to point at somebody or something, but listen, you got more fingers pointing back at you because it's you. It's us. You have the capacity to do more to undermine your own happiness than anyone else. And here's how I know that you have the most capacity to undermine your own happiness. It's because you bought it, right? You leased it. You ate it. You drank it. You smoked it. You dated it. Then you slept with it. And some of you married it, right? Listen, you do this to yourself. And when you think back and you think about your unhappiness, the fact is is that you were there for all of it, right? You are the common denominator in every single area of your life. I remember just like it was yesterday, I was a young pastor and I was talking to this this, this older gentleman who I'd looked up to in the church my entire life, um, he's since passed away, but I, he had to be in his, his uh, late 70s, early 80s, and he came to me and he said, well, Kevin, um, I want you to know that I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get married again, and I counted him up. I knew him very well, and I said, I won't use his name, but I said, that's number seven. That's your seventh wife. And he's like, yeah, I know. He goes, I just can't find the right one. And, and I looked at him, and I, I, I was just young. I had no filters back then. I thought I knew everything about everything. And I said, listen to me. <laughs> I said, the only common denominator in all of those marriages is you. And he's like, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. And he started going through them one by one. And this was the wrong person. This was wrong with her. And this was was wrong with the next one. And then the next one just died. She just died. And then the next one is this was wrong with her. And this is how I had to get rid of this one. And I was just like, please listen to me. You're crazy right now. The common denominator in all of those relationships, they all can't be bad apples. This is going to be number seven. Okay. Six of them 
There has to be, look at yourself. Look at what's going on. You are the cause of your own unhappiness. You're your own worst enemy. And Jesus says, the thief, everybody say the thief. The thief is the one that is causing destruction, that is causing things to be stolen and causing things in your, uh, uh, that steals from your future, that, that c- kills potential relationships and destroys things in your life. So in some capacity, you are the thief. We're always looking for this big bad devil, this big bad wolf, always blaming on everybody else. But listen, this morning, can we just take a little responsibility this morning for our own actions and the things that we have done And it's so easy to look at these people and say, man, if I just see, they would just listen to me. I could tell them how to raise their kids. Or they would just listen to me. I could change things, change their choices so they make the right. But let's just do that to ourselves this morning. Amen. Let's look at the the man in the mirror. And, And so Jesus, then he makes this extraordinary, extraordinary statement. He says this. He says, I. So in contrast to the thief that comes to steal and to kill and destroy, he says, I, I have come that they, who's they? It's the first century audience that he's speaking to. But listen, this is also applicable to us today. He says, I have come. He's like, listen to me. I have come in contrast to the thief. I have come that they might have life. Everybody say life. Okay, life is good. Stuff being destroyed is bad, right? That's bad. We don't want that. But we want the good stuff. We want, we want life. We want life. And Jesus, when he says this, he, he apparently doesn't have the response that he wants from the crowd. They're kind of staring at him. And so he just kind of takes the next thing that he says on the end of the sentence is, is to, to take it to the next level. And so he says this, I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. Have a full life. Now, many of you who've been raised in church, uh, you you didn't learn this particular uh, NIV translation. You probably heard another way. You probably heard the King James Version. And the King James Version says this, I have come that they may have life and might have it more abundantly. Abundantly. Everybody say abundantly. I mean, that would probably be a better translation right here for that word abundant. Jesus says, in contrast to the thief that brings, brings destruction, I'm the opposite of that. I have come that you may have life, and not just have life, but have an abundant life, like awesome, uh, full. It, it, it's, it's, you know, the people are sitting there, and, and, and they're listening, and, and, and they, they would probably look at Jesus, and there was something different about him. And he's like, I want what's different about me. I want you all all to have this. It's, it's, it's like when we're walking around, guys, on this earth, that we have something that when people look at us, they're like, wow, there's something different about Kevin. There's something different about Lisa. And the difference is not that you're not going through things. It's not that life's not hitting you just as hard as it's hitting them or you get everything that you want that's not the difference that they see it's that when life comes at you hard that you're able to allow something that's on the inside of you come out and react in a different way that can still lead to life and life that looks full life that looks abundant life that looks happy everybody say happy 
That's what I want. That's what I'm, that's what I'm moving towards. He says, I have come that you might have an abundant, an abundant, an abundant life. And then he makes this statement that it's about himself, and he says something. He says, I have come that you may have an abundant life. But then he says, and I am the good shepherd. Now, this kind of goes over our heads because the people that were, when we, when we read it, we just don't know a lot about shepherds. We don't. It, raise your hand if you're a shepherd here this morning. That's your vocation. We don't got one hand up, right? Raise your hand if you know a shepherd. We don't have shepherds anymore, right? There's just not around. But this was something that, that he was speaking to them that they could grab, they could lean into. They could really understand. That's why he says it. He says it so that they could, could really lean into this. And he says, I am the good shepherd. Good. Good shepherd. Everybody say good. Not an average shepherd, right? Because I didn't come to bring you an average life. He says, I am a good shepherd. And he says this, and the good shepherd. If you have your Bible this morning or your Bible app, underline this. Because this needs to be a filter for you for the rest of your life. What he says next. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Okay. This is why this needs to be a filter. That no matter if you're reading in your Bible and you're reading Old Testament, right? Like Jewish scripture. Or you're reading New Testament. Listen, the filter that you need to live with is that God sent his son into the world to be a good shepherd. And Jesus says, a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Please understand that if someone is willing to lay their life down for you, they are for you. They're not against you. So always understand that. Whatever you read, if it ever becomes blurry or hard to understand what you're reading in the Scripture, guys, listen, you always need to know that God is for you. He's a good shepherd, and a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. God is there for you. He is for you. And in context, this is a sharp contrast to what the thief does. You see the contrast that he's making? The thief comes, and it's bad. It's, it comes and steals and kills and destroys. But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I have come to give, though. I've come to build. I have come to protect. I've come to give you life, an abundant life. Which one do you want? Right? Now, here's, here, here's, here's kind of like... Uh, Okay, okay. You know, the, the, the people, the, the first century church that first read this or the people that were there that first heard this may have been a little offended by what Jesus just said, though, because he refers to himself as a good shepherd, and he refers to us, the people, as sheep. Okay? And you may not know a lot about sheep. But if you do a little studying, what you will find out is that sheep are not known as the smartest animals in the world. They're not the 
sharpest tacks in the drawer or tool in the shed. They've been known to be called D-U-M-B, dumb, dumb animals. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I'm offended though, Jesus. Okay, you're a good shepherd, and I can get behind that, and you love me, okay, and you're for me. I can get behind that, but I'm a little offended because you're calling me a sheep, and that kind of makes me look like I'm somebody that's kind of dumb, and it kind of fits though, guys, and this is the reason I say that is because this, I'll say it again, because you bought it, you leased it. You ate it, you drank it, you smoked it, you dated it, and you're glad there's not any more room for me to put stuff on that screen right now. We tend to do dumb things. We tend to make bad decisions. Just as easy as it is for you to judge somebody and look at their train wreck or their car wreck of a life making decisions that are you seem to be in judge as bad decisions that are leading to the unhappiness in their life, people are watching your life and you're doing the same thing. We all do right? We all make mistakes. We all make bad decisions. But listen, it's not for us to be offended at all. It's for us to grab a hold of the point. The point is not that Jesus is calling us dumb. The point is we have a choice in this. The point is that we need to choose the good shepherd. And he says, listen, you guys are sheep and I love you, but I can't I can't do everything for you, and sometimes I see you make bad decisions that's going to undermine your own happiness. So as the good shepherd who's wanting to bring good into your life, who's wanting to bring a full, abundant life, he's saying, just follow me. Let's make some different decisions. Let me show you some things. Now, here's the thing. At times, you are your own worst enemy. We've already said that, but listen, you are not your only enemy. There's another enemy that we've talked about over the couple weeks, and New Testament authors, they talk about this word, and the word is sin. Everybody say sin. Now, I know, it's, we don't always want to talk about sin, but sin's a real thing. It really is. And you need to understand that you are not your only enemy that you have. Sin needs to be identified as an enemy. Amen? right? Sin is, is our enemy because sin is also a thief. See, listen, sin leads to death. That's the problem with sin, that it's the opposite of life. It's the opposite of what Jesus is calling us to and saying, hey, come follow me over here. I will lead you to life. Sin, when we act like sheep and we make these kind of, you know, dumb decisions and lead that, that is sin is, is sin-oriented, right? What happens is it takes us to a place of death and destruction. The reason that you may be having trouble relationally is because somebody did something that you perceive to be wrong to you, or you have done something that you perce- that they perceive to be wrong, and, and what has happened is you've brought sin into that relationship. And so you could say this, if you use Jesus' term, sin only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's what sin does. So, we have an enemy within, we have an enemy without. You and I have another enemy, and it's the enemy in the mirror. And consequently, because of this, and if we're not careful, we allow these things to undermine our own happiness. We do dumb things. We choose to sin, and that leads to death. Now, the thing that we all know is 
like, what I've been telling you is not anything new. Like, okay, pastor, I already understood all that. I understood that I make these choices. I understand that I can be my own worst enemy. And you may be sitting here going like, that's that right now. You're not telling me anything that's like, wow, that was unbelievable revelation. But you may be asking this question. I I do understand that. But why then is it that I continue to do the same dumb things over and over and over and act like a bunch of sheep? Well, part of that is what we talked about earlier, and I'm going to put these words up there for you again. Write these down. It's pleasure and, and happiness. Pleasure and happiness. Now, the truth is that God created all of us. Do we all agree on that, that God created us? Amen? Okay. So you're tracking with me. And listen, I've said this before, too, in this series, that when God created you and when God created me, he created us with the, the capacity to experience both pleasure and happiness. Okay, he created pleasure. He created happiness. He created you and I with the capacity to experience both of this. Listen, listen, God, I'll tell you this right now, that the one thing that I love about God, God created sexual pleasure. God created sex, and what an awesome God that we have and serve. Sex is awesome. It is. God created it. He made it awesome. And you and I get to experience something like that, that, it, that is sex. It's like, listen, towards the end of the creation, God gets this idea, and he's like, okay, all right, I'm creating everything, and I've got this great idea. And the angels are like, what's your great idea? And he's like, you're not going to understand you're not going to really get this. He's like, you see how I made all those animals and how they are reproducing? You see how all that works? He's like, I'm just going to add a little something, something for the human race. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take it up a notch and it's going to get them in trouble. But this thing is going to be amazing. Now, listen, when I was raised in the church, I was taught that just about anything that was brought, brought, that brought pleasure was sinful. I was taught that God doesn't want you happy, he wants you holy. We've talked about that before. And so anything that looked pleasurable, listen, there was a Calvinistic filter that I had growing up in my life about original sin that, um, that came, that we even believed in, in a way, and I don't know if we actually understood that we believed this, but we believed that everybody was born with what we call original sin, okay? So, and the reason that we, that that idea came to pass was that sex was pleasurable and that if it's pleasurable, then that can't be from, it can't be what God intended it for it to be. So, the only way that we could reproduce is to do that. But if you ever, and I don't know if y'all have ever heard this before, but there were people that believed that if you ever used sex for anything other than reproduction, that was a huge, huge sin. They even believed that the act of sex, when you did it even for reproduction, that that was sinful. And that is how it was a sinful act. Then that's how sin was passed on to the next person and, and to our kids, and how every kid is born with original sin. I used to kind of teach this kind of stuff, and I remember I had a guy come up to me after, after church because I said, 
all people are born going to hell. I said that from the pulpit. And a young man came after me because he had just had a baby. Him and his wife had just had a baby. And he was, he was, I mean, his heart was broken. And he's like, we got to do something about this. Because this baby could die at any moment. And he goes, what do we do? What do we do? It, he is he born into sin. How do we? And I go, oh, don't worry about that. There's this thing called the age of accountability. And he goes, man, I've been in the church my whole life. He had just started going to my, the church that I was preaching at. He goes, I've been in church my whole life. I've never heard that before. I'm glad that this, there's this loophole. He said, tell me all about this. Go, I want you to give me all the scripture and to back this up because this is important to me because I don't want something to happen to my baby. Listen, I spent the next month searching for this and could not find the age of accountability anywhere in the Bible. I came back to him. I said, I don't know, man. We, <laughs> I, whew, man, I'm, I'm kind of stuck, man. And I would actually avoid him in, at the church. I would avoid him on the streets because he needed an answer, and I didn't have it for him. But listen, this is what, this is the craziness that some of us have, have been brought up under and taught. And the truth is, is that's not true. God created pleasure. God created happiness, and he created you with the capacity to experience both. Think about this. Jesus' first miracle was, dun, 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 dun. he went to his disciples, and he says, hey, i got to get this thing started. i got to get my ministry started. And they're like, yeah, well, listen, we believe you're the son of God. This is a great idea. You should probably start your ministry by raising somebody from the dead or healing somebody. Like, I don't know, go and find somebody that's blind, that everybody knows is blind their whole life, and then bring sight to that blind person. And he's like, no, i got a better idea. I'm going to make wine. What? Jesus' first miracle was making wine, and he did it out in front of everybody for a party. He, he turns the water into wine, and he's like, where's the DJ? You have to understand, guys, that God created us with a capacity to experience pleasure and a capacity to experience happiness. God is not against pleasure any more than God is against happiness. That's a good place to say amen. It's not an either or an or when it comes to pleasure and happiness. But here's the problem. Please track, track with me on this. The problem is with these two words is priority. In fact, when you prioritize pleasure over happiness, ultimately you will get neither. Because the truth is, one leads to the other, but the other ultimately will undermine the one. Listen to what I just said. One will lead to the other, but ultimately the other un undermines the one. See, happiness can, and listen, it will ultimately, happiness will lead to pleasure. In fact, it leads to maximum pleasure in this life. But if you pursue pleasure... Hear what I'm saying this morning. If you pursue pleasure and you ignore the principles that lead to happiness at the end of the day, you will have neither. You will not have happiness. You will not have pleasure. You will go down a, a, into a relationship with the thief. That leads to death, destruction, 
That's, that's what that looks like. And so happiness is something that we all want because, listen, eventually pleasure loses its pleasure and it will become your prison. It's because of the law of diminishing returns. It's like it used to take a half a glass, and then it, now it takes a whole glass, and now I have to have two or three or four, and now I'm yelling at people, and I don't even remember what happened the night before. Well, now we got a problem because we pursued pleasure instead of happiness, right? What happened over time, every single pleasure, every single, listen to me, legitimate pleasure over time, if, it, if you allow it to, it will become a master if it becomes the priority. Pleasure loses its pleasure. What begins as a pastime actually will become a path Wait, it becomes a habit. It becomes an addiction in your life. And then it will become a prison in your life. And these aren't the things that we're talking about. The, the things that you might first come to your head where we talk about the pleasure, you would, you would ultimately think, okay, well, you're talking about illegal things. No, no. I'm not just talking about illegal things. Well, you're just talking about immoral things. No, no, no. That anything that brings pleasure, that it doesn't have to be immoral. It doesn't have to be uh, illegal. I'm just talking about when you prioritize any pleasure over the principles of happiness at the end of the day, pleasure will lose its pleasure. Amen? So the Apostle Paul, he goes down kind of the same road. And he, when he started to write, it was like 25 to 30 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, he's 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 gone. Jesus is gone now. And Paul starts to take what Jesus had taught mostly to the Jewish people. Paul's audience was mostly the Gentiles. And so he writes this letter to these newly converted Gentiles that were now a church in Rome. And he writes it to the Romans, and he says this, and it's right along what we're talking about this morning. I'll put it up on the, the screen for you. It says, do you know? This is in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Do you know? Now, Paul says this a lot in his, in his writings, and when Paul says this, it's, it's, he's kind of saying, um, he says, don't you know? It's kind of like him saying, really? Do I really have to say this again, guys? Don't, don't you know, don't you already know that when you offer yourself to someone as an obedient slave, you are slaves to the one you obey. Now, when we read that this morning, we might think, well, Paul, obviously, I, I don't really know because I don't know what you're talking about. The thing is, I, I, I don't even know what you really mean, but we'll put the whole scripture up there for you. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. In other words, what Paul is saying is if you continue to say yes, yes, yes to pleasure over and over and over again, don't you realize that you are actually becoming a slave to that pleasure? That pleasure is now taking, taking the place of of the lead in your love, of the, of, of the master in your life. And you say, well, no, 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 no. You don't understand, Paul, because I'm choosing 
I'm choosing this pleasure to which Paul would say, that's my point. Don't you know that if you keep choosing it over and over and over and forsaking everything else because you're choosing that thing over and over and over, you're now not choosing anymore. You're being drawn in. You're giving up control. You're behaving like a slave would behave. You're behaving as if you have to now, not if that you just simply want to and it controls your life. And then he goes on and he says, whether a slave, you are a slave to sin. So every time that uh, sin comes knocking at the door, you always, you always answer it, say, come on in, come on in. He says, whether you're a slave to sin and what happens with sin, he says, sin that leads to death. And that's what sin does, guys. Sin always leads to death. It always leads to destruction. It's always going to be the opposite of the kingdom of God in our lives. This has nothing to do with God being mad at you or God trying to punish you. What did we say earlier? God is for you so much that he laid down his life for you, and that means that he's for you, right? This is about us having some common sense and going, my part of my plan that God has for me, that he created me and put me on this earth, is to allow the kingdom that is within to now come out. And when the kingdom that is within comes out into your relationship in somebody's life, what is it going to look like? It's going to look like the good shepherd. It's going to look like bringing life, bringing what, whatever you touch. See, God, he took, he took, uh, when, you, when you think about Sin brought death. It destroyed everything. The Garden of Eden, it it destroyed all of that stuff. And then what, what did God do? God took all of that, and his plan now is to completely turn what was destroyed back into a garden again. You, When you have a relationship with your spouse, the decisions that you make should be bringing, like, like as, as if, just think about a barren desert land area, and that is your spouse. And when you interact with that, you should be bringing life and there should be flowers that start to grow, and there should be green grass that starts to grow. Do you get what I'm saying? And the decisions that you make is what's going to cause that desert to turn into a garden again. And so what happens is this. What happens is this. It happens when you get a revelation of grace and the, and the unconditional love that God loves you no matter what, no matter what. And you understand, you start to understand that everything is permissible. Like there's no law. Like he, he completely did away with the law. That I'm not under the old covenant. When you get an understanding of that, you're just like, whoa. Well, all this stuff, all these rules that were controlling my life, my whole life in the church, it was all a lie. And it's not there anymore. I can do anything that I want. That is true. You have ultimate freedom and liberty to do anything you want. The fact is, you always had it. You always had it, okay? God's plan for your life is to use that freedom and that liberty in a, in, with wisdom to bring life to everything that you touch, to what it looks like the good shepherd, what the good shepherd would do. I saw a guy the other day, he said, before I make a decision, I ask myself, is this what an idiot would do? Not what would Jesus do, 
is this what an idiot would do? And if I say yes, I don't need to do that. Right? So I have a relationship with my spouse, with Lisa. And guys, we've been married for over 20 years now. Yeah, we're getting old. Okay? And in that relationship, there are times where she is not meeting my needs. And she is getting on my nerves. And there is all this stuff that she has in her life that's going on at school and with our kids and with her life, and it's bringing her down. And in that moment, there is temptation in my life to want to go and get a quick fix for making myself feel happy. And when we make those decisions based upon what? Pleasure first above happiness, that leads to sin. That leads to destruction, right? And so in those moments, Pastor Jerry and I were just talking about this the other day. We were, we were playing a round of golf. And I was like, in those moments, I, when I, I get down to it, is I have the liberty to do anything I want to do. There's no chains on me. There's nothing holding me back. Do anything that I want to do. And when I look at my wife, I rem always remember a pastor years ago taught me this. Find a need, meet that need at any cost, and your need will be met. And I look at her, and I think, you know what? I know that right now it's hard, and I know that my needs aren't being met. And it feels like all I do is give, give, give. And this is what we all we get to. We start to use these blanket, <laughs> broad-stroke statements. It's, it's all me. I've all, it's, it's, you know, I'm the only one that ever does this and this and this. Because you can remember one time a week ago when you did one little thing to try to be nice to her, right? And now that, that's the broad stroke. Oh, you are so awesome and great, and you were God's gift, right? But in that moment, I allow the Spirit of God that is inside of me to come out of me. And all of a sudden, I start to get these ideas that, that, that remember that Jesus he laid down his rights. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve, right? And that that is God's daughter. And what does she deserve? She doesn't deserve retaliation. She deserves somebody in her life that would serve her and love her and lay down his life for her like Christ did the same for us, right? And, 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 and I, have, I have three daughters, and I start to think, how? One day they're going to get married. And in those moments when they're having low days and low problems and low seasons of their life, how do I want their husband to treat them? To stand up for his rights and to go out and make decisions based upon impulses, putting their pleasure above happiness? No, that makes no sense. It's just selfishness, right? So in that moment, what do you do? You know what she needs? She needs me to lay down my rights, to not be my own worst enemy, to not choose sin, because what does that lead to? Death. No more 20 years of marriage, right? Now I just start to make decisions based upon the kingdom that's in me. What, what can I do for her? Well, you know what? You've been wanting, I don't know, I don't know why this just came to me, but a neck massage. I don't ever want a neck massage, but she does. So instead of going and searching the internet for whatever or going out and, you know, 
getting, uh, there's all, all kinds of things. You know, you, there's temptation through social media and, and others trying to get into your relationship. So, oh, hey, what's going on? Haven't seen you in, in, uh, you know, since high school. What's going on? I mean, this is what we were talking about the other day. There's all these temptations to want to pull you away from your, your marriage. And instead of jumping into that stuff, what do you do? You say, you know what? I want to build something that lasts here. I want to bring kingdom into this. And if, it, if, if, if this right here looks like a barren desert right now, I'm the common denominator in that. I had, a, I had a part in building that, so I need to be a part in building it back up again. Bringing life, making decisions that is going to look like a, the good shepherd that looks like abundant life. Does that make sense, guys? So a lot of people, though, when they get a revelation of grace, they just go, oh, man. Well, uh, like this happens. They think, I was always raised in a church that you could not drink. Like alcohol is just, it was the devil. You know, you, you might have been taught that. And then all of a sudden you go, what do you mean? You can have a drink now? Oh, my goodness. Well, I guess what? And then what happens is people go, well, I think I'll try that. But everything in moderation, right? Because it's the same thing with eating too much, right? If you constantly eat bad things and put bad things into your, into your life, it's going, you're going to end up having a heart attack, right? It's, it's, it's going to be something that is going to clog your arteries. We were just talking to a guy the other day, and he said um, he was like 48 years old and had to have a quadruple bypass. Why? Because of God's judgment? Because God is Zeus in the sky with all these rules and regulations going, I want to control you, and I'm so angry at you, so I'm going to bring clog arteries. Hippity-doppity-doo. Is that how it works? No, he is for you, and he gives us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to be able to understand these are good foods that I can put into my life, and these are bad foods that are going to clog up my arteries, and then we do this, clog, 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 and then we're sitting after a quadruple bypass at 48 years old going, oh, what's, God, isn't God, where's God at? Why doesn't God love me anymore? It's like, you fool. <laughs> you did that to you, your own worst enemy. Anyway, I'm way off my notes. Holy cow. Let's get back to it. <laughs> so here's the thing. How does Jesus say that we need, to, we need to get to happiness? We've talked about this, and I'll just put this up on the screen. If you sow better, you reap better, and ultimately you feel better. So we sow our way to happiness through making decisions that are kingdom decisions that look like the fruits of the Spirit, right? Patience, peace, kindness, love, right? These are things that need to be coming out of our life. You sow those things, you're going to reap those things. And Pastor Jared talked about it last week. When you sow a seed, does it sprout overnight? No, these things take, it takes time. So, that's what we need to do. You need to sow better, and you'll reap better, and ultimately, you'll feel better. There's no quick fix to happiness, but listen, don't ever put pleasure above happiness. 
Once you do that, it's, it's game over, man. You've undermined all of your happiness. So Jesus says, sow better, reap better, and ultimately, but not immediately, not this afternoon, not tomorrow by five. Ultimately, you will feel better. But if your response to unhappiness is, I've got to do something right now. I've got to be happy right now. I need it right now. You're going to seek pleasure, and it's going to lead to destruction. It's, 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 real, it's real simple. It's just reaping and sowing. So I've got to ask you in closing, and uh, if I could have somebody come up here and help me with a, an instrument, uh, i got to ask you a, a question. And I just want you to admit, just, just be honest. Now, listen, I... I am not going to trick you this morning. I'm not going to say, if you answer this, like, like answer this question right now, and, and, and we're going to do it to ourselves, okay? So nobody's going to do this out loud, and, and I really want you to think about this, and I really want you to be truthful and honest with yourself about this. But listen, I'm not going to say, well, if you answer to this this certain way and trick you in a second and go, please stand up and raise your hand, you know, and please come to the floor. We're not going to do that this morning. You just, you really need to answer this question. All right, is everybody ready? Here's the question. Is there a pleasure right now in your life that's undermining your happiness? Is there something that you, a pleasure that you've put priority on or you've gotten to a place that you're so unhappy that you you just I'm just sick of this life. I'm sick of the way things are and I just it's never I never get to be happy. I'm always I'm always the one that's giving. And then, 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 and all of a sudden, you're just like, man, I'm going to. Is there a pleasure that you have right now in your life that's undermining your happiness? It could be overeating. Right? It could be a lot of different things. It could be fishing. You're fishing way too much. That's why you don't have a very good marriage right now. I don't know. I'm not... An angler, so I don't know if it's fishing season or even applicable. It, may, it might be golf. You golf too much. You're putting that that pleasure. What? You know, what is it? What is your your thing that ultimately, ultimately, when you think about it, when it comes down to it, you are putting that pleasure first right now. And I hate to say it but you've become the thief. You're stealing your own happiness. So so what is it? Because there's an invitation this morning from the good shepherd. And he says, yeah, I know that you bought it. And yeah, I know that you ate it. Know that you've leased it, and I know that you've gotten into all this stuff. You've been making these, you've been acting like a sheep. I get it. The invitation is, he says, I want you to know, I am a good shepherd. And a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, and I've done that for you. I want you to know that I'm for you. I'm not calling you into the principal's office this morning to bring condemnation and hate and manipulation. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen to you. That doesn't work. It doesn't last. 
what he does is he sets down with you today through a pastor like me. Old Kevin, just a regular guy, just like you guys. He says, I want to bring a message through Pastor Kevin to say this to you. You have an invitation. Let's go deeper in our relationship. And I'm going to speak to you about the good decisions that you need to make. And they're, they're just going to make sense. It's not like this super mystical, Pastor Kevin's giving you a crystal ball this morning. The all-knowing Grand Poobah Kevin. Ha <laughs> ha, I give it to you. It's not how it works, man. It's so simple. And what's, what, this is what it's about to happen. If, if you just say yes to that this morning, what's going to happen is he's going to help you build your foundation. And what's going to happen is this afternoon when you normally would choose a quick fix, fix pleasure that when you get into an argument with your spouse and that quick fix is to tell them off and to always be the one that's right, and that just feels so good. It's pleasurable. Yes, you know that I'm the boss and that I am, that I get louder than you and I can manipulate you with all of this and you feel that stuff rising up in you, you know what's going to happen? The Spirit of God is going to speak inside of you and He's going to say, hey, let's not do that this time. Hey, let's make a different decision. Let's make a different choice. And you know what? You may miss it. You may miss that voice in the middle of that craziness, and you did it. Oh, yeah, you just shut up, and I don't care because, listen, I'm always right, and you always do this, and blah, 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 and you just throw up all over that person, and you just bring death. You just, you did it. But right after you do it, what's going to happen? You're going to calm down a little bit, and you're going to hear that voice, and God's going to speak to you and go, can you go own up? Can you take responsibility that that you were putting your pleasure above y'all's happiness? And can you go apologize? And you know what you're going to do? You're going to take that love that's on the inside of you. That's not from this world. And you're going to use it. And it's not because it's not a part of you. You're tapping into something that's always been there. But filter after filter after filter has been on top of it. And you're going to go and you're going to ask. You're going to apologize. And you're going to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. And you know what? They may look at you and go, you know what? You're an idiot and I don't even care about that. But you did what you were supposed to do. You started gardening. You started planting. You started sowing some new things into that life, into that relationship. It's kingdom. It's amazing. And all of a sudden, now she comes back. You know what? I, I was just still mad at you when you apologized. And I really thank you for saying that. Let's build this thing. Let's build something that lasts. Let's do something great. 
man, for the for you, the youth that are here this morning, it's this stuff is gonna start happening in your life, in your classroom, in in the moment where you are unhappy. God is gonna speak to you and you're gonna make different decisions. You're gonna choose to do it. It's you're not gonna be manipulated because of consequences. You're gonna go. This just makes sense. Life, 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 life. So, whatever that is, whatever that pleasure is that, like I ask you, is there a pleasure that's undermining your happiness? Whatever this pleasure that's been slowly trying to take you prisoner and, and, and it's actually formed a prison in your life, you're just going to break out of it. And then I'll just, I'll, I'll close with this. Understand that we all are dealing with this whole thing, all of us together. None of us are making the right choices all the time. We are constantly, every day, looking in the mirror at the person that's our own worst enemy, and we're all constantly dealing with sin on a daily basis. So, why not come to a place where there's a group of like-minded believers that they also represent God on this earth to you. And if God is for you, then they're for you. So you find friendships here. You find others here that you connect to. And when you're down, they can help you out. When When you're struggling with making a decision, should I do this? Should I enter into this? They're going to be able to help you come along your side, alongside of you and say, yeah, okay, listen, let's think about this. Let's choose this. This is, this, is, this is what you need to do. This is kingdom. This is bringing life. That's what this is about. That's what community is about. So, listen, I just want to say that it is possible to be a Christian living on this earth, producing kingdom, and experiencing happiness and pleasure. It is possible. And when we do that, others are going to be drawn to that. And they're going to want what you have. And that's that's how this crazy thing works. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, hey, let's 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 pray. Let's just close this with prayer. Father, um, <laughs> I just love how over the years our relationship has grown, and it's it's such a it's not a forced thing. It's it's such a natural flow of, of just hearing your voice. Sometimes it just seems like people might call it common sense, but it's it's. It's you. And so I just pray for my brothers and my sisters this morning who are dealing with unhappiness. And I thank you that there's a, a light that's going off. There's a light bulb. To see that there's, there's these things that we've been putting the wrong priority on. There's these pleasures that when we choose them and we put them first, they've actually undermined our own happiness. 
And so I just, I just declare and decree this morning that in, in a way we, we do, we, we, we lay those things down. We say, God, you know what? I, I give this to you. I, these things that I've been holding on to, these whatever it is, selfishness, sin, whatever it is, that we just, we release those to you, but knowing that that, that too takes time. And knowing that you're going to walk with us, you're going to walk through us, empowering us by your love, empowering us by your grace to walk out this, this, this happiness and to bring life into every aspect, into our, our jobs, our vocations, our relationships, our marriages, our, our relationship with our, our kids, if I'm a kid, my relationship with my parents, uh, just everything that we that we touch, that goal is your kingdom being manifested on this earth. And so I just, I speak peace to the hearts of your people. I speak just a, a, a revelation of, of, of really grasping response to that. We just we just turn around and release that. It's real simple. And as we do this, as we build up momentum, making decisions that are kingdom, 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 love, 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 life, life, life. And we see our world change. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you guys.